Dateline, 20th of February, 2023. Struth, mate, it's the Oz desk. Oh, <laughs> Grant. You know, for a Kiwi, Grant, you sound uh, very Australian when you say stuff like that. <laughs> I've had the Kiwi accent beaten out of me. As well you should, my friend, and welcome, folks, to the Australia Desk for episode 738. Now, Grant, we're going to be a little bit cheeky this week because we recorded a segment called last week. Yes, I know, cheeky. Shock horror. Imagine that. (laughs) (laughs) But we actually actually recorded some content for last week. But uh, unfortunately, there wasn't quite room for our segment last week, and that's all cool. Uh, But uh, we're going to try and sneak back in this week with another segment. Yeah, we're good at sneaking in. And, I mean, what we recorded previously, most of that is still valid, Except, yeah, the defence review has actually been handed to government, but they're not telling anyone what's in it, so the rumours are still flowing. Everything else is still important information. And we've had no Qantas turnbacks this week, so why not rerun it? You know, Grant, there's a very easy way that uh, Qantas can uh, stop that. They can make all that bad news about their turnbacks go away. Would you like to know how they would do that, Grant? Stop turning back aircraft? Well, well, besides that, they could probably just buy some advertising in mainstream media and Poof, it would all go away just like oh, that. Oh, no. They're not, they're not beholden to their... Me. <laughs> Sorry. Call me a cynic. Oh, who am I kidding? Call me a cynic. <laughs> anyway, folks, uh, here's some content we recorded uh, last week. Yeah, let's have a look at uh, some military news because we haven't done that for a couple of weeks. So uh, let's have a look at some upgrades to Australia's uh, EA-18G Growler program, Grant. There's been a uh, Australian firm awarded a $277 million contract. That's right, mate. This is uh, CEA. They uh, do radar technologies. In fact, uh, CEA radars are uh, being fitted on all our Anzac frigates. They're also being used on a number of our uh, newer fleet purchases in the ship area. Uh, Very, very good technology that uh, the Americans are quite interested in, I'm told. Uh, But yeah, CEA Tech have got a uh, about a $280 million contract to update Australia's electronic warfare ranges. We've got some very large ranges up near Catherine in the Northern Territory and so on, and also some up near Amberley in Brisbane. And this contract is to update the various uh, fixed and portable emitters that will support training exercises and strengthen capability across the joint force. Yeah, and I think joint force is uh, very much the way that uh, defence is posturing itself these days, isn't it? And uh, particularly with uh, not only with the growlers, but of course with the um, with the F-35s as well. It's all about networked battle spaces and, of course, working with our allies who have similar equipment. So mm-hmm. having uh, being able to take advantage of, uh, you know, vast stretches of uh, Australia's uh, outback regions to, uh, you know, do this sort of training, particularly with those, um, you know, our growler fleet is sort of based up in Amberley in Queensland, so they can access that area fairly readily, uh, it just makes sense mm-hmm. and um, you know, we, we note too Grant that not only our Air Force is using uh, these uh, training ranges extensively but also uh, particularly the US uh, Air Force and the Marines are down here a lot doing that as well. Yep, and the Singaporeans and so on, so good to see but also this is just part of the general upgrades to the Growler so that our Growlers remain in lockstep with the US Navy ones including support for the next gen jammer and upgraded sensors and additional anti-radiation missiles. And of course Australia currently has a fleet of well actually we had 12 we currently have 11 EA-18G Growlers uh, of course we had that one that uh, had a bit of a uh, mishap at uh, Red Flag a few years ago and uh, had to be written off but you, uh, Grant I believe a replacement for that aircraft is coming very shortly. Yeah there is a another one in the slot to replace that but uh hey mate speaking of uh things that uh f- saying farewell um <laughs> uh, 
perhaps not quite as spectacular as that Crowler did in, in well, Las Vegas. Well, not. But, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, the Kiwis have retired their first C-130H. Now, these aircraft are almost 60 years old. They've been maintained really well, just like the P3K2s. They're Orion's, very well maintained, kept going longer than most others have for this platform. But uh, they've got their new C-130Js coming in about a year. And this C-130H number three was about to go in for a one-year heavy maintenance session. And uh, there was not really much point in spending all that money to do all the heavy maintenance, only to have it get demobilised about a month after it came out. Yeah, so there's been uh, quite some media coverage this week of this aircraft doing uh, some pretty spectacular uh, you know, flybys around New Zealand. I mean, there's some pretty spectacular scenery around New Zealand in general. Uh, so there's some great photo opportunities there. And yeah, this Hercules, in fact, the Hercules fleet in New Zealand, as you mentioned, Grant, is, is very old. But um, it's been continually upgraded, and actually, Grant, it was interesting to look at some of the uh, the in-flight cockpit view of the uh, of the aircraft in question. And if you look at that flight deck, it's not a very 1960s flight deck. It's all it's all glass. <laughs> no, they were generally referred to as the Super H's. They were very heavily modified, much like the uh, P3K2s, as the Kiwis called them. Uh, they actually had similar onboard electronics to what you're going to find in the Poseidon. So the Kiwis have uh, ceased flying their Orions about six months before for the Poseidons are an initial operating capability. So it's left a bit of a gap there, but those P3K2s on board, yeah, the Poseidon's got a lot more, of course, but much of the gear on board, and especially the signal processor, was uh, very similar to what you'll find on a Poseidon. So uh, the six-month gap, the Kiwis are asking for help from the Aussies, the Yanks, and various other groups to help provide the uh, maritime coverage for a very large area of ocean that uh, they used to provide. It'll actually be interesting when the Poseidon fleet arrives in New Zealand and, of course, um, they're looking for their new C-130J fleet to also arrive next year. It's really going to modernise their air force. Now, New Zealand is a small country. It's a small air force, but, uh, you know, they, they quite often punch above their weight. A lot of that uh, work that they do actually grant, uh, particularly with the Hercules, um, usually centres around humanitarian aid mm-hmm. uh, going out to their part of the Pacific. It's really, really important work, and the Kiwis do a great job of that. So um, once they get these new aircraft, particularly when they get that C-130J fleet coming in, that's going to be a real big boost to them. It certainly is, and they've already got their first Poseidon at Ohakia near uh, Palmerston North. They're moving maritime from Fanuapai in Auckland down to Ohakia. But, uh, yeah, first airframes down, but uh, there'll be a few more coming uh, early this year. But, mate, staying on defence, uh, as many in Australia would know, we've got a defence strategic review underway. The new government's come in. They want to make sure that they're keeping defence going the way they want it and the way they think it should be. That's due to be released this month. And we're already starting to get some leaks and rumours and innuendos and all sorts of things. What I'm hearing is that there's likely to be more Tritons, the big maritime surveillance aircraft, uh, the drone. And uh, that's huge, almost the size of a 737. And uh, some more F-35s, likely to be another squadron perchance. You know, believe that when you hear it. But I do know that the Land 400 group uh, for Phase 3, where we're bringing in the um, armoured personnel carriers, are looking a little nervous. You think uh, if they go ahead with this, then uh, one program might be drained of funds and uh, to supplement the other. Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, from 450 down to 300 units is what I'm hearing. But, you know, we'll believe it when it comes out. But, uh, yeah, there's lots going on. And apparently there's going to be quite a bit of revealing, shall we say, at Avalon. 
Well, we're very much looking forward to Avalon. And uh, Grant, just looking at the way uh, some of these things are being leaked now, I'd say it's a pretty safe bet to say that at Avalon, where such things normally happen, uh, maybe an announcement will be made there. Wouldn't it be interesting to see if they did uh, start uh, placing an order for additional F-35s? We've got 72 on the order books now. Grant, I think somewhere in about the mid-50s fleet-wise might be here now, last Mm -hmm. time I looked. So that's... That program is, uh, you know, delivery-wise, is just about complete. Of course, the F-35 has been a controversial plane in some sectors, usually in media sectors, let's be honest. But, um, (laughs) you know, I've always had great faith. And, and, and Grant, we've been really privileged over the years to talk to people that are really uh, embedded in that program. And, um, you know, the professionalism and the knowledge that those people bring to that program is, is, you know, it's just amazing. So I've always had faith that that aircraft will be a, a successful platform. Yeah, uh, they were originally looking at just over 100. It got whittled down to 72. Indications are it may go back up. But hey, you know, believe it when it happens, mate. This is like uh, working at Avalon. An aircraft hasn't truly turned up. They can talk about it arriving, but until it flies in, lands, taxis in, and goes unserviceable, it hasn't truly arrived. This is very true. And, of course, uh, Grant, I also note just quickly in this uh, article that we're looking at in Australian Flying Magazine that there's talk of an aviation white paper as well. And uh, would this just be probably another case of a government talk fest where they say lots of things that sound really good to general aviation and nothing ever changes? We've had so many investigations, panels, submissions, as is being said, hey, guys, why don't you just dust off what you've said the last three times put it in again because it's probably still correct from the last one that was only a year or so ago. I really think this government needs a slap in the head. Yes, they need to have a policy. Yes, they need a white paper with a green paper coming up. But damn it, guys, just get off your asses and implement some of the things that have already been recommended. For God's sakes, you can't lose if you start that. And then you'll be hailed as heroes because you started fixing some of the problems that we all know are there. That's true. And, you know, Grant, I think we might actually try and get our friend Ben Morgan from the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association of Australia to come on and talk about the uh, civil aviation changes or proposals yet again. I think uh, he'd have uh, quite a lot to say about that. I certainly will. And, uh, yeah, I think we could make a whole episode out of that. But um, I'm sure we'll find some good stuff to uh, shorten down and include in an Ausdesk. But, uh, mate, we've got to get back to work and we've got to get ready for Avalon. It's only uh, like just over a week away now. Yeah, it's only a week away, so uh, not sure if we'll produce some content for next week, but we're certainly going to be gathering some content. We'll be at the Australian International Air Show uh, 2023 at Avalon in Victoria. Uh, It's been a while since we've done one of those grants, so we're really looking forward to being there. We'll be there uh, ostensibly recording content for uh, Australian Defence Magazine and some other little side projects we may have going on. So uh, we're really looking forward to being there. It's going to be a great week at Avalon, and uh, just for once, I think, Grant, we're actually... Probably shouldn't put the mozzer on us. It's actually looking like some pretty good weather. Jinx, jinx. <laughs> but uh, yeah, hopefully it, hang, it hangs in because, yeah, I'm doing uh, media on the trade days and then I'm on the commentary team on the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That is awesome. And our good friend Tony Moclear is going to be there as well uh, taking over. So that's been a, a huge announcement and we're, we're going to try and nab him and have a talk too. So uh, we're going to head off to Avalon and have a great time. Until we talk to you next, I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm Grant McCarran. Cheers, folks.